What are the words that you're using or hearing when we're talking about life during COVID-19? There seems to be some go-to phrases, don't you reckon? Like, in these crazy times, or amongst the chaos, during the madness. Other words I've heard people saying are frustrating, hard, weird, uncertain. Hey, it's Penny Terry here, and in this episode of Health Speak, we're going to hear about another word. It's one that Monique and her friends find themselves using a lot. Oh, I'm just finding it so confusing. Monique is the members president of Speak Out, which is both a membership organisation for people with intellectual disability and an advocacy service. She talked to me about how she's going with all the new information and what it means for her day to day. Well, I can't go to me, uh, my TAFE course that I, I go to and also I can't go to the um, day service programs that I go to and also my singing, dancing. We went out sometimes. I would do like craft stuff, um, puzzles. That sounds like fun. What did you like the most about your day programs? Um, I love going and bouncing on the trampoline and also I love um, going and seeing my friends. What sorts of things are you feeling at the moment being at home? I'm just feeling with down, down, depressed, but I can't, we can't, I can't get out and see me friends, can't do anything. What do you understand about what you can and can't do at the moment? Oh, I'm just finding it so confusing. They tell, they tell you, you can't, you can't do this, you can't do that, and, and I get other people saying you can do this and it's just finding it really hard. Which particular bits are are, are confusing? What's one thing that you're confused about at the moment about whether you can do it or you can't do it? Um, About the the social support, that's what I'm finding really confusing. Like they say that you can have two people at your house and you can go and like visit friends if they're needing support and then I hear that you can't do that so I'm just so confused about it. I wish that um, people would understand that it's even harder for people with disabilities to, um, to get through it and to get through this uh, virus thing and we need, I think we need a bit more extra help to understand what it's all about. Is this something that you'd thought of yet? If you don't have someone in your life who's living with an intellectual disability, chances are this wasn't really on your radar. Jo Ellis works as an advocate for Speak Out, and as she started talking about the conversations she's having every day, my radar got well and truly turned up. Well, look, it's a really challenging time for us all. Uh, We know that. But as advocates, we knew it was going to be a really um, challenging and hard time for the people that we support, so people with intellectual disability. 
they're already really isolated in their day-to-day -day lives for some people and all of these changes coming in really quite quickly for, for people with disability. They didn't, um, it wasn't real for them until they were told that they couldn't go to their day-based programs or things that they really loved doing and that are a big part of their day-to-day -day life suddenly stopped. What kinds of things in their day-to-day -day lives have been stopped? People are really missing out on, on going to work um, or where they may volunteer. I've got one person that I speak to regularly that used to volunteer in an aged care facility and she's really missing that interaction with the people that she connected with every day. And I imagine the people in the facility are really too, missing her bubbly personality. Lots of people are missing a day-based program where they learn life skills. They might participate in, in cooking programs or activities that they really enjoy. They get to catch up with their friends. They get out and about in the community. Some people love um, playing sports. How routine-based are many of your clients' lives? So for a lot of the people that we, we work with, they may have done a similar thing for many, many years, you know, some for decades, you know, I'm talking 20, 30 years for some people, they've done the same thing. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, maybe the days that they head off and do tennis, bowling and learn to cook. And all of a sudden for, for these things not to exist and not to see the people, the places that are familiar to them and bring them, um, you know, comfort and, and joy is again, really, really scary. How have the conversations between you and the people that you advocate for, how do they go when you're explaining all of this stuff? We had a lot of calls from people who were really just confused, confused as to why their services had stopped, why they were told that they couldn't go back to their um, activity that they really enjoyed or why they couldn't see see their friends. And then other calls and other people I spoke with were starting to become really frustrated and angry. They were they were they couldn't make sense of why the people that support them were telling them that they couldn't go and see friends. They couldn't go to the regular places they go to. And they were constantly being told to wash their hands, stop touching their face, um, and that they had to social distance. And for for a lot of people, um, I guess that I was talking to, they felt that um, they didn't understand the bigger picture, the context of it all, as to why they were being told to do this. It was just another person in their life telling them what to do. Hearing these messages constantly, no, you can't go, you must stay home, really felt like people were being bossed and they were having their voices taken away. And no one likes to feel like that because historically that has happened a lot for, for people with intellectual disability. People make decisions for them and not always seen as capable and uh, contributing citizens, I guess, which we know is not true, but, but that is a stigma that has um, stuck for, for a lot of people with intellectual disability. So I guess our role very much so as advocates was ensuring that people were supported to understand what was happening and that it was a, a bigger picture thing. It was not just something, I guess, for them as individuals. They, they were being targeted um, and told what to do. So understanding the information in a way that supports them is really important. 
the next the next lot of calls I started having um, all around the same time were from parents who have children who may um, be involved with child safety services, and all of a sudden they'd been told that uh, they couldn't have face to face visits anymore with their children, and understanding just what that meant and the impact of that for parents and trying to find out what sort of methods they would have to contact their children at this time was really um, scary and challenging. So it's the parents that are living with the intellectual disability who have been told they're not able to see their children. Yeah, yeah. And we completely understand that with with regulations and restrictions, minimising contact and social isolation um, is, is paramount. But I guess it's the way that messages are delivered and how people are supported to maintain those relationships when you can't see someone face to face. We're all learning how to use Zoom and Skype and different tools. But for a lot of people with intellectual disability, they may not have access to a phone, first of all. They may not have a phone that has a a camera in it or an iPad or a um, laptop and and particularly may not have data available. What's the language that's really confusing or worrying or scary for people who are living with intellectual disability? I've had a lot of contacts today, um, messages and phone calls from people who are really distressed with the word lockdown and what a lockdown actually means. Um, So for a lot of the people I've been talking to, they're taking it as that they are locked in their homes, they cannot leave their house. And when you look at this in in more detail, we're not not in a lockdown. We do need to self-isolate. We need to stay home as much as possible. But exercising and shopping for essential supplies is something that we can still be doing. And I think for a number of people that that I know living with intellectual disability, the people that support them, uh, whether it be families, staff or friends, are actually telling them they are in lockdown and they are not to leave their homes. And this is having a massive impact on their health and wellbeing. That must be really tricky when... There's, I guess, a a misunderstanding, nuances in the way that we use language between your clients and the people you're advocating for and the way that their families or the community around them must be using these words. And finding the information and interpreting it, I guess, you know, as advocates, we need to make sure that we're giving people the most up-to-date information, um, but also ensuring that their rights aren't being compromised or jeopardised with other people making changes to that information. So we really make sure we're looking at the updates every day and breaking it down into to easy read or by giving those demonstrations or the examples. So talking to people about what accessing social support, uh, what that might look like or how they can go for a walk safely with their partner or their neighbour or their friend because that's still allowed. And for a lot of people, they're, they're being told that they simply can't leave the house. How concerned are you about uh, the people you support, their rights being lost or, or treatment changing during this time? Yeah, look, this is a really concerning time because when when doors are closed and people are in their homes and they don't have access to their regular family support, their friends or advocacy services, 
there is the potential for for people's rights to to be abused and to be taken away from them um and community in general needs to be aware um and 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 make sure that everyone in their communities are being protected and their rights are being upheld so I, I'd call call out and say to people, you know, if you notice something, if you've noticed uh, someone in your neighbourhood who used to walk past every day, and they're not, what's happening? You know, can can you check in on them? Can you pop a letter in their mailbox to see if they're okay, if they need anything? Yeah. How big has the increase in demand been for your service over the last few weeks? Uh, look, yeah, it's been it's um it's definitely increased. A lot, and the more that this goes on, the more changes, the more uh, regulations that come into play, the more confusion and and I guess fear people are feeling. So we're really getting a lot more phone calls now and messages from from people that we support and and our members saying that they're not in a good place, they're feeling really depressed, um, they don't know how to keep busy through the day. They don't understand the information. They're really confused. We've had people say, what's the point? What's the point of being here anymore? And hearing things like that um, is absolutely devastating, as you can imagine. I wonder what's going through your head now. Are you wondering how you'd go having those conversations? Or perhaps you're wondering what is going on at home each day now? for people with intellectual disability. Monique says, just like everyone, she's having to try new things to keep busy and stay connected. Well, lately I've been working on a jigsaw puzzle. How's it going? Um, (laughs) slowly getting there. (laughs) Working working on the side bits first. I made a, well, the baked lemon slice that was pretty nice and um they it was and i made a lemon chicken the other day in the slow cooker was it good oh (laughs) it was okay i burnt it a bit (laughs) (laughs) what other new things are you trying aside from cooking i'm gonna work on the um there's you know those um diamond diamond things Tell me about them. It's a it's a craft thing. Oh, you have this like a picture, and you stick the diamonds onto it. I found this group of um, self advocates from around the like around the world, and we um, we talk on Zoom. Like they're on every day, and I try and get on and talk to them. What sorts of things are you chatting about? That sounds great. We just talk about what we've been doing and what they do and talk about what's been going on and uh, we always have, and we have a laugh as well. <laughs> what sorts of things are you learning from being part of that group chat on Zoom with advocates from all around the world? Um just learning where they're from and what sort of things they do over there. Puzzles, trying new things in the kitchen, finding new ways to connect. Turns out we're all pretty similar. 
Jo and her colleagues at Speak Out have been trying new things too. Pre-COVID-19, we, um, we had social gatherings once a month where our members all around the state would meet for a meal. They'd talk about um, important issues that were impacting their life. They'd learn about um, how to uphold their rights and they'd get to connect with, with friends. Um, when it became clear that we couldn't have these group gatherings anymore, we reached out to the members and asked what they thought about checking in to like a live post. So we decided that we'd trial Speak Out Live from home and it's a, a live session that the, the team run every night at 5.30. The first thing we do is provide up-to-date information. We break it down in plain speak. We tell people what the regulations mean, what it means for them and how they can do it. We give lots of practical demonstrations. So, you know, even around hand washing, how far social distancing is and I guess where they can go and who they can talk to if they are finding it really hard to cope. And we've also started pro providing sort of suggestions and ideas for how people can pass their day so that they're not sitting at home just thinking about the virus and not being able to go out. And, you know, it's been great. We've seen um, some people, seen their beautiful veggie gardens. You know, they're sharing posts now of things that they're doing, artwork, jewellery making. Some people are taking their dog around the block for a walk. So it's provided a, a platform for people to come together to get that important information that they need but in a way that they understand and also to make social connections because that's that's what they were really missing out on. And we're getting feedback from everyone, you know, saying this is amazing, it makes me feel good, I don't watch the news anymore, I, I check in because you guys tell me what's important and I don't, I'm not left feeling um, sad and worried after after tuning in, I feel good. God, such a good story. Good, yeah. uh, as tough as it is, such a good outcome in a complex time. And look, let's just keep the good outcomes going now. What are some of the things that community members can do from their homes to help people who are living with intellectual disabilities? You know, it's just doing what you, you would do for, for anyone in your neighbourhood. If you're going for your walk to get your exercise and, and you see your neighbour in the garden, say hello ask them how they're going, um, whilst keeping social distancing measures, of course, but ask them if they need anything. Ask them if they've got support. If you do know of a person who, who lives nearby you and you haven't seen them out for a while, pop a letter in their mailbox and see if they're okay. If they'd like a, you know, a person to go walking with. I guess one of the issues for a lot of the people that we support and we're all connecting via social media and, you know, using lots of data and downloads to connect, a lot of people that we work with and a lot of our members don't have access to, to data to connect with people. One of the things recently, which is fantastic, the NDIS have just started online shopping. So if you've got a, a code, if you're an NDIS participant, you get a code and you can um, do online shopping and have the groceries delivered, which is great if you have access to a computer if you have the resources and skills to be able to do online shopping. If people feel like they want to, I don't know, 
top up someone's data or help out with phone credit. And also, I think for a number of people that, that I know, Keeping busy is a really hard task um, if they're not working or they're on their, their disability support pension. Having the funds available to be able to, to go and buy that $20 puzzle or to be able to buy the, the diamond art to do a picture collage can be really tricky. So I think if if people in the community do have, have the capacity and, and, and want to pay it forward and share resources or, or, or donate something along those lines, it could certainly have a big impact on a a person's uh, mental health and well-being. There they are, some more ideas for our list of ways we can help others from our home during COVID-19. And Monique's got a few more things to add. Sending them little letters and each other little letters and stuff and um, encouraging each other as well to stay strong. How hard is it to stay strong? Hard. <laughs> I know that you do a lot of work to support other people who are living with disabilities. What sorts of things do you do to try and help people stay strong? Just talk to them, encourage them, um, send them, send them a th- like send them little quotes try to be there for them. Yeah, it's not complicated, is it? And even you spending 20 minutes right now to get this stuff in your head and perhaps thinking to give a wave, a smile or start a conversation, well, that's got to help, doesn't it? Look, I think people, um, for, particularly for people with intellectual disability, they would feel more connected and more part of their community. It's a pretty scary and, and challenging time for everyone and that's got to help with the, the way people feel the way um, their mental health and well-being and and it builds a stronger community at the end of the day doesn't it yeah I think it has potential to to make a difference just talking about that challenging and scary for people who haven't had much to do with people who have an intellectual disability they may feel a bit hesitant or not confident to talk with someone is there anything we should keep in mind when we're having these conversations or when we are reaching out? Just treat people like people. And if you're not sure, ask. Because what I've really found in my role is that people will soon tell you if something's not okay, but it's far worse to to avoid someone or to make assumptions. You're better off just asking. Now, that is a common theme that's been running through these episodes so far. Just ask. I've got some more asking to do, and if you could keep sharing these episodes as much as you can, that would be awesome. Seriously, we are so excited at the number of people this second series is reaching. Thank you, but don't stop. Keep sharing, and let's get this information to as many people as we can so that those who really need our help can get what they need. And I'll talk to you on the next episode of Health Speak as part of the Healthy Georgetown Project, thanks to the Georgetown Council.